another TeachNet Learning Podcast. I'm Pat Brennan and I'm delighted to be joined today by Jennifer McGarry, primary teacher and coordinator of the WEAVE project. The WEAVE project is a collaborative project that aims to increase awareness among primary students of coding, computational thinking and computer science in the world around us. Welcome to the TeachNet podcast, Jennifer. Thanks so much, Pat. Thanks for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you, of course. To get things started, you might tell us a little bit about yourself, I suppose your teaching background and how you first became involved with the WEAVE project and ultimately, I suppose, the project coordinator. Okay, so um, I'm a primary school teacher for the last six years. Before going back to do my uh, PME in Merino, I worked in graphics and private industry. How I came to be a coordinator on the WEAVE project was simply through the SESI uh, email thread. I saw an advertisement for the position and I made inquiries into it and the rest is history, I suppose. Let's talk about the WE project and uh, to drill down, I suppose, into, you know, what was the genesis of it? You know, how did it come about? I suppose, who was the party that initiated it and what partners or other organisations were involved? Okay, so the Weave project is, I suppose, quite a large collaboration. We're lucky to have funding from Science Foundation Ireland. That's key to the the power behind the project. And then from academic perspective, we have key collaborators in the project from DCU, from the Schools of Computing and Education. We're working with um, SETU Carlo as well, the PDST and Arizona State University. So we have a lot of, I suppose, perspectives and varying areas of experience feeding into, into the WEAVE project. And of course... The other key collaborators in the project are the primary schools, the teachers and the students on the projects themselves. We have nine primary schools across Dublin and Carlow, and that amounts to 28 teachers and approximately 650 students um, working with us on the project as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a great experience. It's a great project to be part of. I suppose, firstly, going back a little bit or taking a step back mm-hmm. from it, I mean, the WEAVE project what is it about? I mean, what's the purpose of it? I suppose the, the purpose of it basically is to develop computational thinking skills, to develop confidence and competence in computational thinking within the teachers on the project. And they then work with their students to develop their skills further and to help the students with developing the computational thinking skills. Computational thinking, I suppose, can be seen as a, a big scary concept or maybe quite abstract. And to help with making it concrete, the key, another I suppose, key theme of the project is to have it localised, to have it within the context of the schools. So they're using their skills that they're developing to solve local issues, to, to, to realise maybe interests that they have, and looking at how computational elements or computational thinking can help them solve those problems. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. I mean, I might, I might drill down a wee bit more on it, but it is, it's interesting, Jennifer, Really, the whole idea of computational thinking, and sometimes when people hear that, they do tend to run a mile, but it is very much something I'm hearing a lot about. I was at an event there recently, and an awful lot of the talk at it was about how do we go about developing computational thinking, and and more about, when you look at it from the perspective, the actual, and you're talking about it here, concrete ways of doing Mm -hmm. it. You know, Sometimes people look at computational thinking in a very abstract way. And what really interests me about this project is that it, it's looking specifically or very much around the actual how do you do it on the ground in the schools. And obviously, 
you know, what's important in the locality and stuff is, I suppose, the, the segue into that. Yeah. Um, just and no, I was just going to say that in regards to, to making it concrete and keeping it localised, I suppose that's the beauty too of using the, the Lego Robotics uh, kits that we have been mm-hmm. using. So the first, it's a two-year project. And in the first year of the project, we would have began with Scratch and um, other, I suppose, software, purely software-based programs for developing computational thinking skills. We also would have explored unplugged activities as well, but we'll come to that later on. But just going back to that idea of keeping concrete and localised to the, the, the community, the, the, the Lego Robotics then that we started using, I suppose, maybe a, a quarter of the way into the, into the two-year project, I suppose they gave the students something and the, and the teachers something tangible to reflect on, to share, to talk about the new skills that they're developing. So, you know, they, they could see the process of debugging through breaking down stacks of code. You know, they can create the, the code or the program for their algorithms or, to, like I said, to explore the debugging. They can try things out. They can tinker with things. And then that helps them, I suppose, to develop their, their metacognitive skills, specifically in terms of maybe 21st century skills of being flexible, adapting to change and, and thinking in systems. So I suppose systematic from the point of view of computers, that's how they work. They're quite linear in, in their processes, but also to support them, I suppose, with making connections to the wider systems around them and, and to be able to understand and talk about those complex systems. So I think that's a key aspect of the, the materials that we're using as well to develop the computational thinking skills on the project. Like they are quite unique in that sense. It sounds, I mean, this is a much broader, as, as you just outlined, there's a, a lot going on here and trying to break that down. So I think anyone listening to this is you say, well, you know, it's, it's fine thinking about, you know, the theory of it or whatever, but when we're actually doing it, how do we break it down? And, yeah. And that, that phrase you use, debugging, I mean, that would um, send many a, a teacher <laughs> over the edge but it is a case of bite-sized chunks and, and, yeah. and bre- breaking it down and letting people see the, the logic of it. Obviously, there Absolutely. is a whole logical structure to it. Just coming back on the, the project title, Weave, what's the significance of it? I suppose, what does it stand for? So the idea behind the title, The Weave Project, is that idea of those integration and naturally weaving, seeing a computational thinking that's woven into our everyday lives like, you know, computers are everywhere. They're all around us. And it's, I suppose, designing learning experiences with the teachers to support them with making those connections to what's going on around them. Like, you know, integrating the curriculum, integrating the activities. It's not just a standalone thing. It's not seen as something extra. And yeah, it's that element, I suppose, of, of, of interconnectedness. Yeah. And I suppose that goes back to the, their own local environment, their own space, their own classroom, you know, and I've read some of the posts, um, be it on our own blog and, and I've seen it on the PDSC technology site, additional information about this project. And interestingly, another tenant, and this ties into what you were just talking about, it's about helping students to develop a critical eye and to question the application of new technology. So it's mm-hmm. not just a case of it's technology, it's great. They're actually, they're querying it, they're they're asking questions. An interesting, just to quote a phrase from one of those blog posts I read, through the lens of cultural responsiveness. I'm intrigued what you mean by that. Uh, you might just give me a little bit more information on it. You're not the only one. Okay. <laughs> um, so basically, I suppose, on a, on a very simplistic level, like cultural responsiveness is responding to the interests of the students within their their local context, you know, recognizing their prior experiences, recognizing what it is they already bring to the table and allowing them to to explore those interests, explore those avenues 
within the school setting so that it, it, you're, you're hooking, I suppose, the use of the computers or, or whatever it is in, in English or whatever it is onto what they already know. That's the idea of, of cultural responsiveness, that it, it's, you know, there's so many, you know, you have a, a classroom nowadays, like they're not homogenous. There's many different backgrounds and ethnicities and, and whatnot. So how do we ensure that all students get a chance to achieve success? You know, what mode of expression will help them to, you know, learn new content, to explore new ideas, but also realize where they've came from too and what they already know because that is important like you know that I suppose that's one thing that's came from the project is the the teachers are are blown away by how much the students already know and how they just get stuck in and how much it it hooks them and I suppose from my perspective I'm thinking well why is that like when you see the, the projects that they create they're also unique and although they might be maybe working on persuasive writing maybe genre or exploring length in 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 maths it's true maybe a little model that will drive. Like, for example, um, one of the projects from last year's work, a student who had overheard on the radio about the new bus is not fitting through the gates of the Phoenix Park. So, you know, the historical gates there, I think it's North Circular. And they had heard that on the radio, kind of brought that. And this is a second class student brought into the class and had a discussion around it. And then they built their project around that. Basically, they explored transport and the systems. And again, that's going back to the systems thinking on a, on a larger, I suppose, from a localised level to a larger level. And developed a little model that when the bus would drive up to the gate, because obviously the gates can't be taken apart because they're protected. The buses can't be remade because it'd be too expensive. So the bus would drive up and a little ramp then be brought up and over the gate and off then the people would go on their way to the zoo or whatever. So that, you know, that's an example of a manner in which to be culturally responsive, I suppose. Well, really interesting, Jennifer. And, you know, just come back on a couple of those points there. And, and particularly when we, we talk about digital learning and technology, often it's seen as some sort of addendum or add-on. And some teachers would look at it as coming out and creating more work for people to do. But it is very much about reverse engineering of it and looking at how we can integrate it. And what you're talking about, the connections being made with prior knowledge with other subjects, the integration into the curriculum is key. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. I suppose getting that message out there to teachers that that's really the joy of using these tools, the coding, the comp- computational thinking, computer science in general, is how it integrates with what they're already doing. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and that, I suppose, that manner of, I suppose, the level of integration that the robotics offers, like there is a level, you can start off at a, quite a basic level and then obviously realise projects, I suppose, that are very much inquiry-based and require um, a much deeper approach, a much more sustained approach to learning, which is wonderful. But obviously, teachers need support in that. And that is, I suppose, we, we could chat about in a bit about the element of support is, has been key. We've support from various levels to myself and the PDST to the teachers. But just going back to that idea, I suppose, of making connections to the primary school curriculum of an integrated nature. Like, it's great that the new primary school curriculum, you know, has, I suppose, the possibility for flexi time in that in it. So that offers, uh, it might take a little bit of pressure off teachers if they are, you know, feeling, oh my God, how am I going to manage everything? And I suppose, going back to the idea too of being cultural responsive and, and making those connections. Like, if you consider those, the, the key competencies of the new primary school curriculum like they're they're all very much active they're all very much about being yeah. something like for example like if you're being an active citizen you're making choices and you're you're looking towards a sustainable future how are you going to do that when you're going to build a model like I, I gave you there about the example of the little bus being taken over the ramp like you know you might be building something else creating the future you're creating the, the these new things that could possibly be 
a reality in the future. And I think that's one of the really exciting things about the Lego Robotics. They see it being the potential of it. Like one of the teachers I was in the school doing a support visit and she was saying how, you know, one of the themes of the, the first Lego League that the schools are working on at the moment is renewable energy. And they had talked about what this, what it was. And the students modified one of the less unit plans because she realized, you know, in her house, they would have used a lot of the, the hairdryer. So they wanted to make a more sustainable hairdryer. So that is, you know, that's being a digital learner and, that, and that's reflective elements of the primary school curriculum. They're caring enough about the world to change maybe something small in, in their lives, but it'll have a bigger impact, you know. So from, the, I suppose, from the teacher's perspective, they have the agency then to support the student in exploring that avenue of their investigation based on the theme of renewables or, or, or whatever it is, you know, that they're making informed decisions about what's going on in their class. It gives them that, that space to do that, I suppose. and that mode of expression then to, to realize their ideas you know and, and once again going back that whole rooted in experience and rooted in their reality i mean this is a yeah you know, they're looking at and i've seen other examples of it but it really works well because it just makes the whole thing so much more real and tangible i think it is the key part but i want to return to that whole thing about teacher support a phrase that you'd often hear bandied about is drive-by workshops and these are something that, you know, we've asked with anyone involved in, in digital learning will have plenty of experience of the idea of the so-called expert turning up, showing you all the bells and whistles of whatever it is, and then driving off into the sunset. But, <laughs> you know, the benefits of that and this sort of experience has taught us is very much short term. And really upskilling and empowering class teachers is critical for the achievement of long term results. So sticking with that idea, I mean, how were the class teachers support to deliver the activities on the program. No, it certainly wasn't that idea of a drive-by <laughs> workshop at all at all. It was a, a process-orientated approach and the teachers were supported in, in, I suppose, multiple ways based on that idea of a bottom-up approach. So like any resources, say, through the learning experiences that we went to, working with the teachers to see, well, will this work in your, your context? How might we make it work in your context? And within the schools, there was a, a buddy system. So in the first year of the program, there is um, four schools on board with two teachers each. And those two teachers were working closely together to help each other, basically, and to, and to offer support to each other. And then in the second year of the project, the teachers within those schools buddied up then with another teacher. So in one school, it went from two teachers to four teachers. And again, you're just constantly trying to embed the use of the robotics, embed the notion of computational thinking in a practical manner that is reflective and used within the context of that school. And then some schools then buddied up then with their local schools. So you might have a local girls school buddying up then with the local boys school. And again, you're all the time trying to create a community of practice to enable sustainability then of the work that's been done in the project. As well as that, there would have been co-creation on different levels between the teachers say, and myself as the project co coordinator, working then with the teachers and the students so that I suppose the teachers become comfortable with the idea of the students maybe knowing more than them at times and seeing that as a resource and seeing that as a, as a positive thing to keep the, the project moving forward. Obviously, the PDST were absolutely key in the success of the project and they would have fed into the content of what we did for the learning experiences and they went out and they provided sustained support visits to the schools as well. And the feedback from that was amazing. And the principals as well were obviously key in, in facilitating these visits and helping out then with very other management areas or looking long term to how it's going to be sustained what i'm hearing there's very much a, as you as i think you said from the from the ground up 
but it's a very much a collaborative approach. And okay, yeah. I see you have there's a mentoring system and it's it's in school and then it's you know inter school, it's developing this community of practice. And you know, a key part there is that word that you used, uh, sustainability. But that's I suppose the crystal ball time. My understanding is this project was set to run over two years. Now, as with everything else in the world of education, it was affected by COVID. I think its start date was pushed out. So you are now in the last year and the last couple of months of the project. So yeah. what I'd like to do for the remaining part is first, I suppose, get an idea, a high level overview of the plans for the remaining time. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a little bit more maybe about the sustainability. I know you've kind of answered that already. Okay, I suppose the plan um, hopefully would be that the the PGST will continue to support the the schools and that the work that we have done on the project collaboratively to date will be tidied up and then might potentially in the future form part of a summer course offering um, from the PGST. We're also hoping then that the schools will continue to build on that idea of the community of practice. In May, we have our final learning experience days in DCU and in SETU Carlow. And we'll have all Carlo schools together to kind of, you know, to consolidate the communities of practice in, in their areas. And all Dublin schools will come together again with that same idea of, you know, making links, creating a network of shared practice and so that they, they know they have support around them. And I suppose to acknowledge that change takes time and it needs that element of, of leadership support within the schools and outside of it for it to be sustained. Because the teachers of the project have done phenomenal work. They really have. There's lots going on. Like you said yourself, you know, that schools are busy places. Time does get away. And it's to, I suppose, normalise that it does take time. Normalise that there is an element of playfulness that needs to be had at the start with the materials so people get used to them and get to know what they are. So they kind of can start building a picture of what it's going to look like in their classes. And they can only do that really through talking and, and sharing their experiences. So that's a key part of it to, to build into sustainability. So just, I suppose, to go back to your question at the start to support it. That's where that community practice will come into place to help that conversation to continue. It's great to see that. I mean, going back to my analogy of the drive-by workshop, things have moved on around professional development and that. And it is about building, you know, from within. It's about empowering the teachers. It's yeah. giving them the confidence to do these things. And I think the idea of uh, communities of practice, particularly if, if you're able to maintain the support of, of the people in PDST, even, mm-hmm. even better again. But mm-hmm. just to, mm-hmm. I suppose, go on from that, and I was I mentioned the crystal ball and looking ahead, and you've told me what you hope will come out of this project. I'm going to switch back to, you know, looking back instead. How would you describe the overall impact of the project? You know, how, in, in your opinion, has it met its aims? And what do you see as the tangible benefits? Oh God, there's lo- there is loads, I have to say. I, I would definitely feel that we've met our aims and there's so much more work, I suppose, that we could continue to do if, if the project was to be extended. One of the key things, I suppose, is that it demonstrates that through providing that sustained support, it does empower the teachers to, you know, it does enable them to develop confidence and competence with using computational thinking in the class with using robotics to support learning outcomes you know but it does it just takes time I suppose that sustained support approach too it allows the teachers to see things you can do with the robotics that you can't do otherwise like I gave you the example earlier on there the the Phoenix Park with the little bus coming up and, and going over a ramp to get over the gates like there was another gorgeous example from the project 
where one of the groups made um to save Michael D. Higgins having to go out every day and raise the Irish flag and bring it back down again, that he could have a little power system. He'd press a button and a little motor would turn and the flag would go up and it would come down again. And this whole inquiry about how this little project was realised, you know, is based on the engineering design process. It took several weeks for this to, to come about. You know, it, it revolved sketching out the model and measuring out the, the, the size of the flag they wanted to use, realising when they had the original flag made out of Lego, well, then it was too heavy for the, the motor to turn it to bring it up. So then they had to rejig the whole idea to realise their idea. I don't know any other material that might be as, to use the phrase, kind of, you know, intellectually honest, where like both yeah. teachers and students are focused on solving this problem and neither of them genuinely know what the answer is. So it, it's seeing the, the possibility in the materials to allow you to do things that you couldn't do otherwise, you know? And that does come back to support because if you haven't used them before, you don't know if what you're doing is right or wrong. You've known to look to. So that is key. You know, it's fascinating because both the students and the teachers are learning together. You know? Yeah. And it's that the, the guide on the side yeah. than the, the sage on the stage, I think, is, is the cliche around that. Oh. And that's actually something that's came back, like that's been really f- uh, positive feedback. Like several teachers have said on, on numerous occasions that they are kind of relegated to a facilitator role, but they, you know, they've quite enjoyed it. And it, it's, I suppose, lent a, maybe a different atmosphere to the room, developed a social skills through that process when they're all engaged in, in the work and communication skills like that develops human connections, which are so important as well. So, yeah, it, it, it's been really positive. I'm sure people listening to this here being said, well, you know, if I take the weave approach and maybe I'll see similar results in my classroom, you know, I suppose coming at it from that perspective. And firstly, I'd ask you what practical advice you've been that soldier over the past, <laughs> you know, 18 months or so. What practical advice would you give to? Now, I know one of those you've kind of already hinted at the idea of just take it bite-sized chunks you know it's not going to happen overnight but any other practical things you could say to teachers who are thinking of embracing this and trying to develop computational thinking in their classrooms yeah i'm glad you reiterated that point about you know the the, that the change will take time but i suppose to have fun with it as well like it's lego (laughs) it's everyone loves lego you know to or or whatever maybe robotic or computational material it may be enjoy the process like even when something might not be going to plan you're still learning. The students are still developing their skill, a range of skills, even within that, adapting to change and, and being flexible at learning. Like the materials offer that. I suppose to keep it simple and to have like, it's very hard for one person to go it alone, I suppose, and to have, you know, to use resources that are there, like, for example, the digital learning framework to, to form a digital learning team to help the fr- use that framework then to help with making a plan. Like to look around for the support, like I mentioned, the PDSD sustained support model already. There's wonderful online courses that are short to get you set up, maybe with using Scratch. There's a new computational thinking page on the PDST with loads of resources, examples from other projects that have happened. The TeachNet resource here with experiences from various projects across the board. You know, there's so many resources that are out there to scaffold you to kind of, I suppose, prop you up for success and to not be scared to look for it and, and to ask for it for that support. Because at the end of the day, the materials, I suppose, are transformative in their nature. And it's so important that everybody, doesn't matter you know what school they're in, they get a chance to explore them and to see their potential. And to do that, people just need to share their knowledge and develop that idea of a community of practice. Just going back to the point there, you know, you're saying about the scaffolds and having the scaffolds are already out there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel and that's key. Yeah. The supports are there. 
you just need to be signposted in a way that you find those support. But yeah. it's interesting. And I mean, that phrase, and it's, it's one that gets, it's quite hyped a bit, you know, this, this phrase of digital transformation. I mean, I'm seeing it real life digital transformation that has happened in these schools. And that's where I, I suppose I'll finish up, uh, Jennifer. And, and again, a big thank you for joining us. For the teachers who want to learn more about the Weave project, where would be their first port of call? And I suppose more so, have you got a plan or is it envisaged that there will be some central area post project teachers can tap into or are interested in learning of what went on and maybe getting ideas of how they could implement something similar in their own classrooms? Do you envisage anything in this space? Yeah, yeah, definitely. At the moment, our Twitter page would be our main connection with, with sharing, you know, examples of projects that we've done or maybe any papers we've written or anything like that. But we hope to maybe curate Padlet, say maybe of resources in the future or share something through a website. You know, we're also very much leveraging the work of the Lego, the first Lego League. And those resources are just amazing with supporting teachers with integrating the, the robo- robotics, you know, be it geography, English or whatever. We will link in, in, into things like those as well. So, yeah, we, we do hope to collate some kind of a, a repository or, or of resources. Yes. When that is available or you have a better idea of what it is, please let us know. And just to get that word out there. And it's interesting you mentioned the Lego League there. It was on my notes. And of course, we got drawn onto other things. So maybe that's one for the, for the future, Jennifer. Just um, again to say a huge thank you for joining us. I really think that's it's brilliant to hear. You know, the, the phrase is often bandied about with 21st century skills is real world problem solving. And that's exactly what these students are doing. Thanks a million, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much.